Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. We are excited today to talk about a super hot topic that we've been like, on the one hand, talking about for years. But I don't know about you, Diane. It's like it was it was our topic in group coaching this week. And it was just like, it, it was so many buttons. Well, right? and it was really funny. I was talking to a longtime client today and we were talking about a concept that we teach, we've been teaching for 13 years, right? It's a sort of, we've been teaching it forever and ever and ever. And I was like, oh, we're going to have a podcast about that coming up. Go listen to the podcast because it's like got our newest spin on it. And so I love when we kind of refresh these topics that we might have a blog on or a teaching on because every time we teach it, it kind of works and and we learn, well, we learn something, absolutely. And you called me yesterday and you're like, oh my gosh, this whole thing came up in this group today and I added it to my group today and then you added it to your group today. I mean, it's just been a hot, hot, hot thing. Well, I had an epiphany, right? Okay, so the topic here, y'all, is we're talking about this whole issue of asking for help. And, you know, you've heard us talk about how to, you know, we want to help our kids learn to ask for and accept help. Right. So it's both of those things. And like, how do we get them to a point when they're asking? And, you know, parents always call us and say, my kid needs help. My kid wants a coach, whatever it needs a coach. And we're like, do they want help? No, but they need it. Well, then that's usually a sign that it's our work to do. Focus on us as the parent. Right. So let me let me I'm going to say that in a little more words, but it's like we know our kids need help. They're not yet saying I want it, or they might be saying they want it because they want to get us off their back or whatever else. And so part of this is how do we get them ready to accept or ask Ask for and or accept help? And and how do we help them to do it effectively? Right. Because there's, there's actually two parts in the process. Well, and so as I was teaching this in the group yesterday, you're talking about in the group, I had an epiphany that after all these years, I hadn't realized. And so we're going to come to that at the end. I'm going to tease you all with it because it was so profound. Um, but so let's set the stage first well, about. Yeah, I think that why one kids thing, ask for help. What? Why don't they ask for help? Why don't they? Well, and there's a lot of reasons that all of us don't ask for help. Right. And and right. This not is, just them. It's us. Not too. just them. Right. And so part of this is honestly. A big tool in this is being able to model asking for help. So if you're listening to this, part of the lens I'm going to challenge you to is how easy is it for you to ask for help? Yeah. And I'm gonna, you know, and we always joke about, you well, I have somebody who cuts my hair. Or I have somebody who mows my lawn. Like I would tell him my partner, like their gutters need to be clean. He broke his back like a couple of years ago. And I'm like, 
dude, you need to not be up on the roof. He's like, I can be on the roof. This is a moment where it might be wise to ask ask for help, right? And so it's hard for all of us for a lot of reasons. And so what's on our list here? Uh, uh, It's not okay to make mistakes. That might be one. Wait, wait, I want to stop and and explain the list Diane's talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were were doing a presentation about this a couple of years ago, and we sat down and brainstormed and went out to our community and we, and we, kind of like encapsulated what are the key reasons that people, kids, young adults, whatever, tend to resist asking for or accepting help. Right. And these are the five. So the first one has to do with your relationship with mistakes. So yeah. that might mean like, oh, if I'm asking for help, that means that I'm not good enough or I've made a mistake or it might not be good or somebody else might be coming into my space and I might screw up and it might be more evident. So there's this whole thing around Needing to perfectionism. get perfectionism. perfectionism, go back and listen to our podcast on perfectionism. To or make it okay to make mistakes. Yeah. Or, so there's this, this, I don't want to, I want to appear as if I've got it together. And, and that's, that's one of the key reasons people avoid making, uh, accepting help because somehow it's this implicit, it means uh, something's wrong with me, mm-hmm. right? That I, if I need help, right? Well, and related to that is, is I'm under stress, right? It's this sort of, I might be so overwhelmed right now. And we've talked about coping mechanisms before, but one of the key coping mechanisms, there's two of them. One is avoidance and one of them is control. So if I'm stressed out, I might be, nope, I don't need any help. I got to do this. I'm the only one that can do it. I got to take care of this. Or if I'm overwhelmed, I might be like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't even think about this. I, you know, so if you're in, if they're in either one of those places or we're in either one of those places, our availability to even think or problem solve is very limited, let alone our ability to go, oh, wait, it might be helpful to have somebody else come in to this whole thing. So stress is the second one that sometimes leads us to not ask for help. What else? Okay. Um, I don't know. You've got the list in front of you. Okay. The third one is <laughs> it's our agenda and not their agenda, right? It's this sort yeah. of, so how many times do we say, okay, you need to do your homework after school and how can I help you remember? It's like, well, it's we're coming to them with something we want them to do and then we're asking them to accept help for something that we're asking them to do and not something they want to do. So so we haven't, yes, it's their homework, but we haven't shared it. We haven't collaborated. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more in the next episode on whose agenda is it. So, yeah. but, but the bottom line for this purpose is, Sometimes kids, let's talk about kids for the moment, resist accepting help because it's not on their radar to do whatever it is we're asking them to do in the first place. Or it's not, they don't, they're not at choice in some way. They're not feeling an ownership of it. Yeah. And so then the next one is that they're, the language we use is they're unprepared for what's expected of them. So they're not yet like bought in or know what's going on or are aware of the expectations. And so it's like, if I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to do, how can I ask somebody to help me? And shouldn't I know what I'm supposed to do? Right. There's that, there's that two sides of that is one is I don't know what to do. And, and this other, which is, I should know, shouldn't I know what I should do? I'm supposed to do. Well, and there's, there's so much here. It's like, if, if they're unprepared for what's expected of them, there's this sense of if I like, you know, what my kid used to say, if I haven't done it, I haven't done it wrong. 
Yeah. Right. I don't want help because that means you're going to hold me accountable to do something that I don't think I can do. I don't think I'm ready to do it. And so sometimes our kids will resist it because we're so busy telling them they can, but we haven't paid attention to the fact that they think they can't or they don't believe that they can't or they don't feel ready for whatever it is. So that's that's another area. And then the last one is that they're they really don't know what help they need. Right. It's just sort of how many times. And and this goes back to maybe overwhelm. I know this happens to us in work. Sometimes it's like, okay, I've got so much to do. I don't even know where to start. And you're like, how can I help? And I'm like, I am not a place where I can even think about asking you for help because I don't even have my head around it enough and I'm overwhelmed or stressed or whatever it is. So there's this sort of process of figuring out, you know, what help do I really need? Yeah. Is the fifth one. The And the other thing I would add, particularly for younger kids, is that, um, not younger kids, kids, not adults, is that a lot of times kids equate independence with not needing help. Right? Yeah. So it's this sort of, I'm growing up and when I'm independent, I'm not going to need anybody, right? And so they want to be independent. And so they may be even independent technically from an age perspective, let's say they're over 18, but they think that, okay, if I'm independent, I shouldn't need help. And part of what I think came up earlier this summer for us in group was we don't teach kids that asking for help is an adulting skill. Yeah. Right. One of the most important adulting skills there are is like, so when you get older, you know, it's like when you're independent, you'll know when you need help and when you don't need help, right? It's a sort of, and how will you figure out when you do need help and how will you know? And all that sort of stuff. I mean, we don't even teach it as a skill because, and our kids think magically, okay, I reach adulthood. And I know everything. And I I know everything. (laughs) Right. You know, I was thinking about, so one of my kids is, is, has recently gone back to graduate school. She's in medical school. And she was telling me about one of her peers who had never really cultivated that skill of asking for help. And so she kind of got something really wrong on their first exam. And it was technical, like she, she misunderstood the program. And so she answered all the questions wrong. And so she was sure she had failed it because she did it wrong. And she didn't feel safe. This is a, an adult, grad, a, you know, medical student didn't feel like it was OK to go to the administration and say, wow, I totally misunderstood that. I screwed that up. Can I take it again? And it was only because she was in conversation with my kid who's like, you got to ask for some help here. You got it like who felt safe asking for help. But this kid had been so driven that she had to do it on her own that she was ready to drop out of medical school after working all these years to get there. Yeah, that yeah. One thing. For that one thing. That well, so let's let's talk about safety and how it ties in, because I think that that's the other piece of it is how do you create an environment where kids do feel safe asking for help? So we talked about this a lot this week in, in various groups. I just got off the call with one of our PSS groups with the parents of teens, older teens. And we were talking about. You know, there's relationship. If you think about the independence pyramid, and we did a, a podcast episode on the independence pyramid, right? There's relationship and then there's trust on top of relationship. And those two create, you know, healthy communication. And then we get to collaboration. So sometimes it's a, we have to lean in the relationship to build the trust. And what, what we came to understand this week is very often our kids don't trust 
that we're actually trying to help them in a way that's useful for them. They're, when we say we want to help you, they experience that trust as control or as an imposition because the trust isn't there for to believe that we're not going to do what we've always done in the past, which is step in as director and control. Well, and, and that's what I was going to say, because that's what came up in our group is like, we create these patterns and the mom that was on the phone today, her kid has just gone off to college. And she's like, well, if he had been home in my house, I would have done this. I would have emailed the teacher. I would have blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I know I'm not supposed to be director, but I don't know what else to do. And I'm like, and he's, expecting that you're just going to jump in because you're you've been jumping in for 18 years now. And so part of this is being able to rewire and build that trust again that you're not going to just take over if you get involved. And that's why one of the tools I love around asking for help is give me a job instead of asking for help. Like so I used to do this with my kids like they're working on their homework and I'm like, give me a job. Like, do you want me to bring you popcorn? Do you want me to give you a back rub in an hour? Do you want me to help you keep track of your time? Do you want me to just give me something to do because to support you to support you It's your job to do your homework. It's my job to help set you up for success. They can see that they know that I'm, I'm anxious. I want you to be healthy and happy and all that other stuff. Giving me a job feels very different than can I help you with, right? Yeah. So so I want to go back to what you just said a minute ago, this notion of creating an environment of safety. Yeah. So one way to do it is to say you direct me. And that's part of what we talked about in group today was we ended up somebody took aim on enrolling his trust to direct me in supporting him. Right. And so we were talking about our job as parents, ultimately, when when they're ready to take leadership or take ownership, our job is to move into support role, which is like being the roadie, right. not to do it for them. And so if they don't have the trust that we're actually going to control it, then they go to that. I think I'm being helpful. He thinks I'm being controlling. That was the line that came up a lot. She thinks I'm being controlling. So one of the moms said, I have to let go of being sure of what help she needs so that I can ask her to guide me in what help she needs. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, the shift is not help them with what we think they need help with. It's find out from them what they think help looks like. and, And they have to feel safe enough to do that. Can I give an example? Yeah, sure. So one of the moms was the kid had gone off to college and the agreement she had with him, he had an eight o'clock class. He was afraid he was going to miss. And so he asked her to be the backup so that she had a way to check to see if he was out of his dorm by a certain time. And if not, she was going to call him. She didn't suggest it. It wasn't her idea. She wasn't saying, I'm going to check on you and make sure you're out. He was saying, I'm afraid I'm going to be late to class. Can you help me for the first few weeks? Or, or after they mean. have been, after they have missed a few classes to maybe brainstorm and troubleshoot and say, is there something that someone could help you with? I remember I used to wake right. my roommate up, right? It's this sort of somebody somewhere can help you. And the thing that I love about that, the same conversation came up in our group because some mom said, well, he's at college now. I shouldn't be the one to wake him up. And I'm like, well, if he asks you to, right, it's this your is job. The- yeah. I have one of my kids that hired me for a period of time as their personal assistant because they were having a hard time keeping track of appointments. And it's like, okay, 
well, do you want to pay me? Do you want to, you, you can buy me dinner once a month. What do you want me to do for you as your personal assistant? Well, can you do this, this, and this for me? It's a very different sort of conversation than I know you're not, you're forgetting to schedule your dentist appointment. Let me do it for you, which is me. Right. So help is not about rescue. Let's wrap this conversation up. Are we yep. ready? Yep. Okay, so help is not rescuing. Help is not doing it for them. Help is not making sure they do or or that we're making sure they get the help we think they need, right? Instead, help is enrolling them, building the trust so that they are open to asking for, accepting, receiving help, that they have some sense of guidance or ownership or direction so that they feel like they're able to ask for the help they think they need or to work with us to collaborate, to figure out what help they need without feeling like we're going to step in and direct control, dominate, but to really trust that we're still letting it be their agenda. Now, in the early stages, help may be collaboratively figuring it out with each other as the kids move further along in their independence and they move into to more ownership, then we move into more support role. And I think a lot of what we're talking about right now is support. But the notion here is to be really pay attention to making sure we're providing the help they feel they're ready for or that they need, not the help we think they should need. Or well, they and, need. and that's the great couple reminders is one is like if they're saying, but they won't ask for help. Then you take the step back and you're saying, okay, so what can I do in the family environment to make it easier and safer to ask for help? And and maybe we kind of alluded to this earlier. Part of that is you asking for help, right? Is yeah, this modeling it? I wasn't feeling good earlier this week, and um, and my partner was had also been sick, but he got sick first. So I was like, I really don't feel good. Would you please, right? Is this sort of? And I could have. But I felt like maybe he was feeling better than I was. So I was like, I'm going to ask for help here, right? It's a sort of, it's hard for us. And a lot of times, particularly moms are carrying a lot of weight. And we've kind of, I was on a mom, I'm with a mom today who's like, it's so much easier just to do it myself. And if we model asking for help, it really does give our kids permission. And sometimes we ask our kids for help. It's like, you know, hey, will you please do this for me? Or, hey, I need help with this. And sometimes you do that with fun stuff. And sometimes you do that with, hey, I've got, we've got with stuff that's chores. I mean, but part of this is kind of normalizing asking for help as an adulting skill that everybody does mm-hmm. and helping our kids learn when do I ask for help? When do I not ask for help? How do I ask for help? How do I advocate for myself? I mean, there's so many different flavors to this. Well, and I, I just want to call up, we'll also put a link in the show notes to the the podcast on designing, because designing is something we do as a way to ask for something without creating a defensive response. Yeah. So that can be a really helpful tool either. So it's yeah, also, so bottom line here is it's complicated. It's important. Yeah. And so sometimes rather than focusing on the outcome, we want to focus on creating a safety place, building the trust so that they feel safe with us helping and they don't feel help as an imposition. It's not a four letter word, but it actually feels like support to them instead of control. Yeah. And I think that that's the piece of it is like if they're seeing it as control, imposition or judgment, 
Yep. That's that indication that look, they're just shutting down. And this is a complicated topic, Elaine. And I guess I would say we talk about this in our programs all the time. And so if this is something that you're really needing help on, it's like my kidneys help, but they're not asking for it. Get some help for yourself to figure out how to position yourself and how to move your family forward so that help helping one another and, and particularly getting your kids to a place where they can advocate and ask for help is something that's on your radar and, and a skill that they're beginning to develop. Awesome. Love it. All right, everybody. See you in the next one. You got this. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.